Well, hey, if you have a Bible, turn to uh, Ephesians. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, the, the last portion of, of chapter 1. We've now been in chapter 1 for three weeks, and, and now we're bringing it to a close uh, this week. And so if you're just joining us, um, we are in this series through the book of Ephesians, and, and we're really together learning our identity that is in Christ, that our, our identity together as believers is in Christ. Christ. And last week, we really unpacked verses 3 through 14, and what Paul the author really described as is all of the blessings that are in Christ that we receive when we are in him. And so now in our, our text, as we go to read, what we see is Paul is really sharing his hope and his prayer and his thanks for the church. And so he's kind of shifting a little bit. And in these eight verses that we're going to read, he's really giving thanks for the believers, and he's praying for them that they would grow in their walk with God and mature as the body of Christ, understanding that it's all rooted in and founded in Christ. And so remember what, what we saw last week is that this whole chapter is one, one long run-on sentence. There is no punctuation for Paul in the original writing for him. There is no time for periods, commas, and exclamation points because all of it together is just one bursting excitement of here's who God is, here's who God says you are, and here's what God desires for you. And so all of you English majors are probably just feeling like you're hurting because it's just one long run on sentence and where Paul is beginning to shift from is the blessings we have in Christ to really saying, Here, here's my prayer for you. And, and Paul really then says, I appreciate you. And also we see through scripture that, that Jesus appreciates you. And so what we're going to see and, and read in these eight verses, that sentence that I keep giving you week after week, if you like to fill in the blanks and just be done, is, is really that sentence for us out of what we're gonna read is that we are appreciated by Jesus and called to know God fully and be the body of Christ. And so we're gonna read Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. And so here is, as Paul kind of shifts from saying, here's who you are in Christ, here's how you are blessed in Christ, then he really says that here's the appreciation I have for you, and here's who Jesus is. And for us as believers, the Christian is one who appreciates Jesus. And you may have never thought of this before or thought through this before, but the Christian is one who Jesus appreciates as well. And here's how Paul says it in verse 16. I do not cease to give what? Thanks for you. 
And so I want you to really get this. I want you to hear this. It's not just a letter from Paul to the Ephesians, but it's from God to us. And he says, if you believe as I do, here, right here together, as we just read this text, if together we believe that God wrote the Bible using people filled by the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit, then together we believe what's called verbal plenary inspiration. Now, I know that's a lot of big words, but basically what that means is that God wrote the Bible through people. And so, though it's Paul's voice, it's God's words. Though it's Paul's voice, it's God's words. And here, God is not just speaking to the people in Ephesus. He's speaking to all of his people, including us. And we are able to receive this message. And through Paul, he is saying, we are appreciated by Jesus. Now, I know this is kind of a a, a dangerous language to saying that Jesus appreciates us. Maybe for us, we kind of think, well, it's not about us. It's about God. And I've I've shared that many times in many different ways. So let me just kind of share with you where I I think you may be kind of going, well, wait a minute. He, He appreciates us, but isn't that too much focus on me? And I think there's a lot culturally around us that really affects our thinking because we live in a culture of entitlement. We live in a culture that is so deep in the lack of appreciation, the lack of love for one another, that if an elected official got up in this era of elections and said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, we'd probably say, you know, he's really funny. That, that's, that's really comical. And we wouldn't really take that concept seriously, talking about our responsibilities, not our rights. This is the shift that we kind of have in our culture, so it seems weird to show deep appreciation for, and the whole world is really filled with a lack of this appreciation, with a lack of thankfulness, and a lack of gratitude. I mean, think about the serving industry, right? We sit down, and our first deal is, I am owed. I am here with money. Feed me, and you will do what I say, and we have no appreciation for those who serve us. And they bust their butts. And, and if you work in the serving industry, I'm sorry. For believers and non-believers, I'm sorry. Because that's a hard, hard position. You don't get into that to be appreciated, right? No one thinks, I'm gonna become a server because I just feel like I wanna be appreciated more. No one does that. <laughs> and maybe to you, to say Jesus appreciates us may feel like putting too much stock, too much focus on ourselves, but I I really want us to catch this significant, important truth. Because for you, how many of you, if I walked up to you and I I looked you in the eyes, I looked at you right in this moment and I was very serious and very genuine, as I believe the Apostle Paul is genuine here, and I just said, I just wanna say thank you. I just wanna thank you for all that you are doing. I appreciate you. What would you say? For, see, for some of us, that's kind of awkward, and, and we've been trained through religion to say things like, well, well don't praise me. All, all glory to God. All glory to God. Don't, don't thank me. Don't say thank you. And, and, and we get into this area where it, it becomes really difficult to appreciate one another. And all we have is these people walking around thinking they're bringing glory to God, but they're really just rejecting someone appreciating them and giving glory to God for the appreciation they have for you. And so it turns into some theological argument that really doesn't make sense. And so you go, man, I appreciate you. And someone goes, well, don't, don't, don't say that to me. You appreciate God. You, I, let's not. And it doesn't make sense. It just gets this jumbled argument and, and it doesn't make sense. And, and that person's just standing there going, I'm trying to say thank you. 
just shut up and receive that. I'm trying to, trying to be grateful for you. So remember that, that we looked last week. Let's understand the, the context here for Paul. Remember last week, Paul points out throughout the, the last piece, through verse six, through verse 12, and through, vor, through verse 14, that the glory does go to God. The glory doesn't go to you and I. We, we appreciate one another. We're appreciated by Jesus, but the glory goes to God. Think of it this way. Every night before my son Micah goes down for bed, my wife and I lay him down in bed and we pray over him. And we pray for the uncles, aunts, grandma and grandpas and all the, all the cousins, everybody. And one of the things I pray over Micah is, God, thank you for Micah. Thank you for Micah. And then every time in my prayer time with God, I say, God, thank you for my wife. Thank you for bringing order to chaos in my life. And so I appreciate her, I appreciate my son, but God gets the glory. Jesus appreciates you. And your identity being in Christ, this is important. We see in John 15, in Jesus's prayer, for those not yet following it, for you and I not yet formed physically in this earth, he, he prays for you. He prays for you, but for the glory of God. So this language is not glory to me, focus on me, look at me. This is not it, like we talked last week. It's not cat theology, it's dog theology. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and listen to that piece, but it's that dog theology. It's not, look how awesome I am, it's look how awesome my master is. I am cared for and I am appreciated by the great master I serve. So it's gratitude towards one another, but it's glory to God. And how many of you, let's think of this, how many of you, would it change the course of your whole day or maybe your whole life if you simply knew that God cared about your life? That he cared about your life and he was thankful for your obedience, for your generosity and your service and your sacrifice and that the Lord Jesus himself generally appreciated you. Would that change the way you live? Would that make things a little bit different if you, know, if you knew that that was God's view towards you in Christ? I think it would. I think it absolutely changes how we see ourselves and how we understand that God sees us. Because I think oftentimes we really misunderstand that this important doctrine of God being omniscient. That, that God is all-knowing, and, and we kind of view this as like God is a lifelike surveillance system in our life. So he sees us in the times where we sin, in the times where we fail, and it's put in place, this God-like surveillance system is put in place to catch all the bad things, and the good things are erased at the end of the day because they don't really matter. It's just to keep track of all the bad you've done. See, God does see, and God does know all. He does see and know all of your sin. All the things that you think you're hiding from him, humorously in our own foolish humanness, the things that we think we're hiding from God, he has full knowledge of. That is the God we serve. He knows and sees all, but he also knows your obedience. He sees you when you're in the midst of temptation and you choose faithfulness. He sees the times where you faithfully serve, when you are generous, when you show up. So this is something that I heard a pastor unpacked this last week and it absolutely wrecked me. Because I think what, what happens is when we focus on the method of religion, not on relationship with God, but on a false religion, we have this tendency to believe that God only views us in this way of being good if we're good. 
But when we are in Christ, he views us as co-heirs with Christ. It's not based on our performance. And so it's not God up there in the surveillance system. It's God seeing all the good and all the bad together. And so what this means is when our identity is fueled by who God says we are, then we know who we are and who he is. It fuels a proper understanding of of who we are in Christ and who God says that he is. So our appreciation, our identity, and our focus is rooted in him. Not, Not unstable and kind of rooted in ourselves, but rooted in him. And that changes how we see everything. So because that means that we are not chasing after the world's appreciation. Our identity being rooted in him, we're not chasing after trying to be rooted in the world's identity, in the world's appreciation. But those in Christ are chasing after God and knowing him fully. And so this really changes everything. So understanding that we are appreciated by Jesus, it gives us a great deep appreciation and thanks for who God is and what he does. And so it leads us towards knowing God fully. And in verse 17 through 19, Paul is praying an intercessory prayer for the church. And here he is praying that they would know God fully. He begins to just kind of transition from saying, I I give thanks for you, I'm grateful for you, I appreciate you. And he goes towards an intercessory prayer that they would know God fully. And he says it in, in, in three different ways throughout that passage through verses 17 through 19, that they would be experiencing knowledge of him having their hearts enlightened, refined, knowing the hope to which we are called. And then he says, and the immeasurable, immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. And so that first thing that Paul prays for the believers, that they would experience the knowledge of him, that they would fully experience the knowledge of who God is. And J.I. Packer, old man, faithful follower in his book, Knowing God, wrote, how can we put our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is simple, but demanding. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. So knowing God, and we've talked about this before, knowing God isn't just information about him, but knowing him in a personal way. It's a personal relationship that we have with one. So, so to know someone personally, you have to meet with them. You have to spend time with them. This is how we know God, by spending time with him, by drawing near to him. So not as a distant relative, but as dad, as we talked about last week. Not a distant relative, but as dad. And that in knowing and experiencing God and who God is, it really moves us towards a deeper relationship with God where out of love, he points us towards maturity in Christ. That out of love, he really begins to point us towards that. And then we see that the second thing Paul prays for is that they would have their hearts refined and enlightened, knowing the hope to which they are called. And so the refining of our heart is much like the refining process we find all throughout scripture where God really illustrates his refining process in us. So really we see this all throughout and this process is an incredible process that I just wanna walk you through really quick. That first, it's the brokenness. 
where the refiner in the biblical times would break up the hardened ore, the, the rock with precious elements in them so that possible precious metals and gold could be exposed to heat. And so the, the refiner takes these things and in the brokenness, he refines them. Then he puts them in what's called the crucible and the refiner puts the broken crushed ore into this crucible, a fireproof melting pot able to withstand extreme heat. And then the crucible is placed into the furnace and our refiner puts us into a crucible and then into the heated furnace to purify us. And then we see from the crucible, once it's placed in there, then is the process of the dross. And that's where the refiner watches as the ore melts in the crucible and sets a layer of impurities called dross and they form at the surface. So as this melts, then all of the impurities move to the surface and then those things are removed. And for us individually, the dross really represents anything that is keeping us from being all that God has called us to be. It's really removing those things that are not of him. And then we see that process of the purification where the refiner skims that dross off the surface, looks into the crucible and sees a dim image of himself and then carefully turns up the heat and places the crucible back into the blistering furnace. Now here's the interesting thing. Here's what the refiner then does. As he turns up the heat, again and again, up to seven times, he does this. And here's, here's why the higher heat. This is incredible about our God. He knows that only certain impurities are released at certain temperatures. So only at these certain times, when, when things get a little bit hot, when things get a little bit tense, is there opportunity for these things to be drawn out, for these things to be removed And then from there, the refiner, then in the final process, looks at the reflection to gauge the process of how much this is complete, how much this is formed. The refiner looks at his own reflection on the surface of the melted gold or the melted silver in the crucible. And so he looks at this and seeing his reflection that the more dross that is removed the less distorted his image. So only when the refiner sees a clear reflection of himself is the process complete. And so see, this is one of the blessings we have in Christ that we talked about last week in in Ephesians 1 verse four. Paul says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. And so this is Paul's prayer for the church that they would be refined, their hearts would be enlightened, understanding the criticalness of this process. So as you come before God, as we come before God together, it is the process of him refining us and shaping us to reflect him that we would fully know him. And so Paul prays this for the church. And finally, he prays that they would experience and know the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. So God pours out all of his grace. He pours out all of the blessing and all of the power on the son of God for his glory and for our redemption. And then what he does is he shifts our identity. He calls us sons and daughters and he gives us a new identity in Christ so that in him, 
Under the submission of Christ, we can be the body of Christ. And Paul closes out this chapter in chapter one by just hammering down in these last three verses the importance of Christ and our call as his church. And this is what I love about Paul. Paul does not stop talking about Jesus. As you find throughout this whole series, what we're gonna continue to talk about is Jesus. If we read something from Paul, we're inevitably going to talk about Jesus because Paul understands the importance of this. So here's what we need to understand. What we see in verse 21, the position of Christ is important then for us to understand in verse 21, where Paul says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, far above everything else. There's no room for anyone greater than Jesus. And so Paul explains perfectly what this tells us then is it's all about Jesus. In him, through him, by him, for him, it's all about Jesus. And here's the incredible thing. Jesus is not dependent upon us, nor do we surpass him, surpass him as his church. But here's the incredible thing for us as the position that Christ takes for our sake It is for our dependence upon him, for our identity to be fully on him and fully in him. So as a bridegroom, he is incomplete without the bride. As a vine, he cannot be thought of without the branches. As shepherds, he is not seen without his sheep. And so all of this together, we become the full expression as his body, him being the head. So all of this is not his need. This is not Christ's need. He has no need for us, but he submits to the Father for our sake. So it is his desire for you to be in him, that we would be under him in his submission, that Jesus is the head. Paul makes that so clear, that we are the body, he is the head. The hands, the feet, the ears, the eyes, the mouthpiece of Jesus. We are the body in submission to him. And when Jesus came on earth, he selflessly served in a physical body. He showed up, he lived like we did. He processed things, he approached things different than we did. But as he returned and ascended into heaven, what he is doing now is he is ministering through a spiritual body, through us. And so this importance of understanding that Christ is the head and we are the body, Paul says, my prayer is that you understand the greatness of Jesus and how important this is and that you are his body and that he's been given this body. But I think what's, what's hard for us sometimes is we get into this exist habit where we find ourselves in routine and for whatever reason, being the body is not based on our identity in Christ, but based on this illusion of a false reality. Sometimes when we lack that understanding, when we lack submission to being a part of the body of Christ, what that then looks like in the midst of an active and moving body that we're not active in, then really we're only a prosthetic that's just hanging there. And we're saying, just put my, just put my part here. It looks living and active. But I think the gut check for us all is that believers joined together as the body of Christ are called to be active, genuinely loving and faithful. 
And so what we need to understand in that is that if we consider ourselves as the body of Christ, with Christ being the head, what that means then is we are set apart from the world for Christ. So as the body of Christ, we are an outward and physical expression of the active and living God. And I love what A.W. Tozer says in regards to this. He says, 100 religious persons knit into a unity by careful organization do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. The first requisite is life, always. First is life, always. So we are appreciated by Jesus of whom we put our identity in. The only reason we can fully know God and be in true relationship with God. And so we are the body because Christ is the head of it. So what that tells us, Paul's prayer for the church and my prayer for you as I do not cease to give thanks for you, as Paul would say, that Jesus Christ is everything, that your identity matters in him, that Jesus Christ is everything. And he is, as Paul says, the one who fills all in all. Jesus Christ is everything. Let's pray.